You've given me a new phrase, do to do clouds, and I, I'm going to be using that. From <laughs> I say do to do all the time. It's actually something I refer to as start with star girl. I go do to do star girl. It, it's become a bad habit. Welcome to Story and Craft. Now here's your host, Mark Preston. Hey, welcome back. How are you? Glad to have you back for another episode of Story and Craft. And this week, sitting down chatting with the effervescent, the lovely Breck. Bassinger. Uh, she plays Stargirl on the CW Network show Stargirl. And she has some movies coming out this year, uh, The Man in the White Van, along with Sean Astin, as well as Saturday at the Starlight with Abigail Breslin and Denise Richards. Uh, as a fellow native Texan, we both kind of, uh, of course, took a little time to talk about our favorite places to eat in the Dallas-Fort Worth area when we're back home. Of course, naturally, food comes up pretty much every episode. Breck is a rising star. Love her energy. I uh, really enjoyed the chat. And uh, by the way, don't forget, everything you could possibly want to know about Story and Craft is at storyandcraftpod.com. Sign up for the newsletter and just stay in the loop on everything going on with the show. And if you would, a little favor, certainly would appreciate uh, a review on Apple Podcasts. And of course, you can listen on your favorite podcast app and just follow and like the show if you would. That way you get a notification every week whenever a new episode comes out. All right, let's get after it. Today is Breck Bassinger Day, right now on Story and Craft. So how are you doing today? Fine. It's so crazy. I'm not even filming right now, and I still feel so busy just with other stuff, but all good. So it's nice to talk to a fellow Texan. I'm originally from Richardson, and you're from Saginaw, right? Yeah, yeah. Def- familiar with Richardson. Then did you go to school in Saginaw, or did you? Uh, when did you head to L.A.? Um, I did. I went to school in Saginaw up until my freshman year, and even eighth grade, I kind of was in and out of public school. And then freshman year, I booked Bell and the Bulldogs, which was the Nickelodeon show I was on. And then after that, it was homeschooling for the rest of it. So what's that? I, I've always been curious what that's like. Some people love that because it kind of gives them the freedom to kind of do whatever and then others are like man I really wanted that high school experience what kind of where did you fall in on that yeah I mean I've always been one who liked school not just from like the education perspective but also the the social aspect of school too um so I definitely I I feel like there's pros and cons you do you don't get that homecoming football game but that being said I was able to graduate high school two years early because I just didn't take summer breaks and did it at my own pace so I definitely feel like pros and cons You've been in L.A. since you were, I guess, with like 13, 14. I think I may have read that somewhere. Yeah, I went, I went to L.A. for the very first time when I was 13, booked my first job, and then moved, officially like moved out there, got a place out there at 15 when the Nickelodeon show got picked up, and I, was, I needed to live out there. Now, did you live in that? I know there is an apartment complex out there that every <laughs> young actor seems to live in. It's like this whole like ecosystem yeah. what's it called again um the oakwood the, okay yeah, yeah 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 yeah. funny enough it's now been bought out by ava Apartments, so it's no longer oakwood but people still call it oakwood because it does it just that name will forever be with it um i i never lived there but i had many of many of friends who lived there and i would go over there for their the game nights at the clubhouse and karaoke and it was quite the the social scene at, at the Oakwood. <laughs> See, if you're young, it seems like it's it's good to be able to be uh, a kid at least, you know. And that when you go home, you know, but it's 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 got to be a weird thing with everybody around you is doing TV and stuff. 
now I know you uh, in doing um, uh, Stargirl, you got what's it like to have Luke Wilson uh, as a stepdad? <laughs> I mean, you know, fellow Texan, you know, so y'all kind of. Yeah. Have, so what did you when when you knew that he was going to be cast and uh, doing that? Um, did you like go through like some of his old movies to kind of catch up on what Luke was all about and kind of his uh, background? Yeah. Um, so from the very beginning, like the first meeting I had with our showrunner, Jeff Johns, he, he mentioned that his dream Pat Dugan would be Luke Wilson. And I immediately went home and looked up who he was, saw that he was from Texas. But as soon as I saw his face, I, I remembered him from stuff, um, specifically Legally Blonde. That was like what I <laughs> most knew him from. I grew up watching that movie. Absolutely love that movie to this day. Um, so when we finally got, we actually met for the first time, funny enough, it was on Jeff's birthday and we went to the facility that built Stripe the robot in our show. We have a practical 16 foot robot and we went to see the robot for the first time in LA and Luke and I got to meet and I was so intimidated, which looking back, it's so funny because Luke is just like the sweetest, most humble, like and I, in the best way, like, average Jack guy ever. But because of his resume and the people he, he had worked with, I was, I was nervous to meet him. And then on set showing up, I was even more intimidated to see how, how he had worked because, you know, he had been on huge sets like Wes Anderson films and iconic, iconic movies next to Reese Witherspoon. Um, but he... It's been so cool to see not only him, but Amy Smart, who plays my mom, who also has a very impressive resume, at how they have balanced their stardom with their normal lives as well. And they've, it's truly shown me that I can, you can be a successful actor and still be humble and a great person. Um, so as intimidating as it was at the beginning, they've taught me so much, and I'm so blessed to get to work with them. Yeah, I mean, Amy Smart kind of had the, uh, she's kind of had that arc where she kind of started where, where you are right now. She was doing the teen and, you know, college age, you know, uh, stuff. And I mean, it's my, my kids and I were catching up on some of the episodes, and it's it's such a fun show. My, my son's very much into the whole uh, Marvel thing, so, but you're on the DC side of, of things. Yeah. So kind of going back in your origin story, I was, I was kind of curious now, when you were growing up, when you were in school, when you were going to school, what, what were you involved in? Were you studious? Were you in the, doing that thing? Or were you kind of uh, also into your extracurriculars and whatnot? Both. I was, uh, I was too busy then. I always, even to this day, spread myself too thin among my many of hobbies. I'm a woman with many, many hobbies. But I did. I always loved the the studious side of things. I, I was a mathlete and went to districts and regionals and won a gold medal doing the mathlete stuff. But then also I did five events in track and field and was a competitive cheerleader and then a school cheerleader. And well, isn't competitive cheerleading was, really big in the Dallas-Fort Worth area? Uh, I just seem to remember a lot huge. of people doing that. Yeah, it's, it's huge. And it's so funny that back in the day, people didn't really think of cheerleading as a sport because I was literally like 10 years old walking around with like an eight pack because of how good of shape I was, <laughs> I was in because of my competitive cheer. Um, I could do like 50 pushups in a row. I look back and I'm like, wow, I was such an athlete. I cannot do that anymore. Um, but I definitely stayed busy between sports and, and school. And then actually, there was a time where I started acting class because when I, w I was 10, my mom finally let me do. I had been 
annoying her about wanting to do it for the longest time. When I turned 10, she's like, okay, we'll, we'll put you into some acting lessons. And it was at that time I did, I had to start picking and choosing. And I guess it was my eighth grade year. I had to start giving, giving stuff up to really focus on acting. I mean, what made you want to look at acting as a thing? Was it just, do you love watching the movies? And you're like, I want to do that. Or are you just, was theater just, you know, the kids that you liked hanging out with? What got you into that? This this sounds very like, oh, do-do-do-do, clouds, dreams. But I really feel like it was my destiny. I don't think there was anything in particular that made me like, I want to be like this actress or I want to be on a show like this. I just, From the time I was probably five or six years old, people would come up to me and they'd ask like, oh, what do you want to be when you're older? And I literally would say, I don't want to be anything. I'm going to be an actress. I was a very sassy child, but I just like <laughs> knew from a young age, like this is what I was destined to do. I felt very called to do it. And I, I do see that as a, very much of a blessing because LA going there and there being so many blonde, blue-eyed girls, and I was just one of the thousands, it could have been very intimidating, but I kind of just went in with the attitude of like, no, I'm, it might not be a quick thing. It might be like a long-term 10, 20 years before I make it, but this is what I'm going to do. So I never I never doubted it. There was never like a plan B for me. You've given me a new phrase, do-to-do, clouds, and I, I'm going to be using that from now on. <laughs> I say do to do all the time. It's actually something I refer to as start with Star Girl. I go do to do Star Girl. It, it's become a bad habit. No, that's awesome. No, that's awesome. No, uh, but of course, being from a Dallas, and of course, people listening know uh, to this. If it, if it happens to Dallas or New Orleans, I'm always bringing it up. But uh, you know, my cousin's actually out your way as an orthodontist. Uh, no, Sag- I think he has one office in Saginaw. But um, oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah who? Uh, I might have gone to him. Uh, Jeremy Lustig. I literally think that's the orthodontist who like gave me my Invisalign. He, his office is right by Walmart. He's a handsome guy, kind of salt and pepper hair, kind of uh, just a. He's just he's just the nicest guy on on planet Earth. You know, he's a. Wait, I I literally think that's where I go. You said this was your cousin. Yeah, Lustig Orthodontics. Well, I think it's actually changing names. He's uh, God. He's he's got a place in I think. North Richland Hills as well, and uh, he's got a few okay. offices out west. Oh, yep. I looked it up. This is literally where I, because there's an orthodontist and there's a dentist right next to it, and I've been going to the dentist since it opened, and the orthodontist was the people who like gave me my Invisalign, got me my rubber bands. <laughs> That's in, what a small world. It is. That's funny. It is. In fact, I went to him. I just got my braces off. I had to get it back on because I do voiceover predominantly that's most of what I do that in acting and uh, I noticed that my my um, articulation was going off because my teeth were shifting a little bit so I got braces back on and I was in doubt we actually got connected on zoom and he said get right up in the camera and let me look at your teeth and anyway but yeah he, he's he's uh we just went to god where did we go we uh we're just uh, my kids and I were just there uh god it was last summer we went to hard eight barbecue I remember that that's uh, yes yummy love that place You were looking around and you were paying attention to, you know, be it acting or whatever. What, what was it just that it sounds like you went to work, like you viewed it like a, as a job early on, you know, not just kind of fanciful thing. Was that, is that pretty accurate? Yeah. So back at, it was like seventh, seventh grade. I took a, a short break from acting class. I took a semester off. Where were you taking acting class? Like over at Kim Dawson um, Studios or? 
So Kim Dawson was my, my first agent in Texas. That's a local agency who's who's still doing their thing. Um, but she actually found me through the acting school, Catherine Sullivan, who has produced so many professional actors from like Selena Gomez went there, Demi Lovato went there, Debbie Ryan, like a lot of the Disney Nick kids came from that studio so it's Isn't that wild how many come from the dallas fort worth area i think uh i think uh selena was uh, from plano i think yeah yeah and uh i i do have to give a lot of credit to that acting studio kathy um she knows how to how to train specifically for that those kid networks because it is a different kind of acting with different timing um but no it was it was seventh grade i i'd taken a semester off because i was like i'm gonna focus on school and when I went back to acting class the following semester, Kathy was like upset at me. And she, she's a hardhead. She does not take crap from anyone. And I think that's another reason she produces a lot of successful actors because she told me, she was like, if you want to be successful, this can't just be a, be a hobby. Like you have to really want to do this. If this is a hobby and you just want to take acting class, that's fine. But I know that's not what you want. So you don't need to be taking breaks. You need to be really studying. And so that was kind of when my, my perspective changed, that there is hundreds, thousands of, of kids who, who dream of doing this. And if you want to be successful, you almost do have to take it seriously. Like it is, it is a job. You would be getting paid for this job. Um, and then so eighth grade came around and I started like, I missed a, a volleyball game to go to an audition. And my, my volleyball coach set me out, like binged me for the rest of the season because she thought I was so silly to go to an audition instead of a middle school volleyball game. Doesn't that kind of suck, though, for a school kid? Because, you know, you've got this tug of war yeah. starting to happen and then you're having to make some decisions that are also impacting you socially as well in schools. So that's yeah. kind of, you know, it seems like that. Oh, I was so hurt because before that, I had been a starting player, an all-around player. I played the whole game. And then after that, they would put me in for one play every single game just so they didn't get in trouble, and, and that's it. But I almost used that as motivation because, to me, they thought I was just doing something silly. I used it as motivation to like almost prove them wrong. And three years later, I'd been on the Nickelodeon show. I came back, and the volleyball coach actually sat me down and apologized to me. <laughs> really? And was like, I'm so sorry that I, I kind of isolated you. I didn't realize what this meant to you and how seriously you were taking it. Um, so that was kind of a, a very full, full circle moment for me. You know, were your parents really endorsing this, or were they kind of like, you know, hey, if this is what you <laughs> I mean, Who was driving the train on this? Was it kind of like... Like the way I am with my daughter, Emma, who plays uh, volleyball, but they started practice early this summer. And she's like two weeks after school got on. She's like, I don't know if I want to spend my summer, you know. So I said, yeah. hey, you know, if you do it, commit to it. That was my thing. Right. You, know, you don't have to do it. What was your parents' approach when you were in eighth grade and you're like, I want to be an actor? They were clueless. You know, being from Saginaw, Texas, we, they didn't know the first place to start. But they, my dad, much like it sounds like you, was always one like, if you want to do it, we're going to commit to it and we're going to figure out how to support you. So once again, going back to like Kim Dawson and Catherine Sullivan, there were people there who were working and kind of knew the LA market. So I give so much credit to them for helping my mom and being, being kind to help guide us on what to do. And um, the manager, my, my first manager, I'm still with her to this day. So I've been with her now for... 11 years. She found me in Texas. She actually helped me get with Kim Dawson, helped me get an LA agent. And it was really, I feel like she was one of the driving forces to actually help move me forward. 
but my mom was next to me the whole time, traveling back and forth between LA and Texas to me. Yeah, that's the next question I've got for you is how did that work? Because uh, you have siblings and how was that working yes. with the, uh, you know, who was in Texas? How is it working with you in LA? How did that break out for you? It was it was difficult because my dad, his his job up until that point was he was a fish fish farmer. So you can't really pick up and move your farm to California. Yeah. So he was stuck. He he couldn't move. We couldn't pick up and move the family. Um, one, I have two older brothers. One of them, fortunately, was already in college, so he had moved out. And then the brother, um, the middle brother, middle child, um, he was in his senior year of high school when I really started traveling back and forth between LA. So it definitely, it took sacrifices from not only my mom, but also definitely him because there was a good period where he was kind of having to navigate things with, without both of his parents home. So I'm, I'm very fortunate that he, he was also supportive of me wanting to do this. Um, at the beginning, it was definitely very difficult. Like financially, LA is extremely expensive and, you know, expecting my, my parents just to support me living in LA is really unrealistic. So I was so lucky that my very first pilot season, like the first three weeks I ever went down to LA, I booked a, a recurring role on a different Nickelodeon show that kind of paid for me to go back and forth between LA and was able from then to kind of support this dream financially. But up until then, m both my parents had made so many sacrifices mm. to do that. How many uh, months out of the year are you shooting, uh, shooting Stargirl? Depends on the season. First season took eight months. And in the past two seasons were between six and seven months. So do you kind of head back to Texas and get a little time off and get a little change of atmosphere in between um, when you're taking a break? Yeah, once again, every hiatus thus far has been extremely different considering our first hiatus was 2020. So definitely was just stuck at home the whole time. Actually was in LA, which was not the most fun, which ended up pushing me to move back to Texas, which is why I'm here now. Um, and then the last hiatus, I was fortunate enough to do a movie, which should be coming out soon, called Man in the White Van with Sean Astin and Ali Larder. Like, oh, really? Once again, oh, really? yeah, another great cast that I got to work with. Um, and that should be coming out sometime in the end of this year. And then this hiatus, I'm actually going to, f I filmed one movie um, in LA, it was just like a quick cameo role. And then I'm going to film another movie in Oregon in about a month. So I try to like do at least one or two projects during my hiatus. And then other than that, I do, I try to just like mentally get healthy again because the hours of Stargirl are definitely mentally taxing. Yeah. Are you in Texas or LA right now? I'm in Texas. Right Texas. Now. Yay. Awesome. So I'm, yeah. I'm a little bit envious because I'm, uh, it's been a little while. I kind of have to get my little dose of Texas every, like once a year, you know? Yeah. It, the good barbecue, Tex-Mex. Hey, I don't, I don't. Great for your heart. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to lie. God, I got hit Whataburger at least once. That oh. I was talking to a friend of mine in Atlanta who's an expat Texan as well, and 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 as unsexy as it is, is Taco Bueno. You got to go there once, you know. Taco Bueno, yeah, my mom. <laughs> that's like her favorite. Although I have to say, a lot of the Taco Buenos have been shutting down, and it's really? very sad really? to see. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. So many people that I know, actors are moving. A lot of them are moving from LA to Austin uh, now, and, and yeah. a lot of the folks I'm talking with. The paradigm has shifted. Uh, I kind of took a hiatus from uh, on-camera stuff to, you know, I got my kids are rap in high school and, uh, and I'm keeping busy with what I'm doing. 
But um, I was speaking with another actor. He's like, man, you don't have to go on auditions anymore. Everything is taped now. Mm-hmm. You know, long term, where if you had your choice of where you would love to live, are you really loving L.A.? Or are you like you'd like to kind of find a place in Texas? I, I change my answer every single day. As of now, I have a place in Texas. I, I needed a home base. I was traveling so much for work that I was losing my mail because I had lived in like five different addresses in a year and a half. And I'm like, this is bananas. So I, as of now, I have a home in, in Texas that will be my home base indefinitely. That being said, there is something so special about LA and the amount of um, artistic people. You know, people a lot of times move there for the entertainment industry. So you're just surrounded by like-minded people in that sense. And I miss that so much. So eventually I can see myself making my way back to LA, but as of now, I'm in no rush. I'm just going with the flow. Yeah, that's you know that's the way you, I think you got to do it. Is just kind of like what's that phrase? Man plans, God laughs. That kind of a deal. Uh, love. I've never heard that. I love that. Of course, you're talking about all the things you're having to do. Being being with the DC universe now, you got to be hitting some of the cons. You know, like the Comic Con or Dragon Con. And all. have you been doing a lot of that? Well, our first season did premiere May 2020, and it was. It's been interesting, this whole roller coaster that I like to call Stargirl. Because when originally when I got casted as Stargirl, that's kind of like the first thing I pictured is going to, to Comic-Cons and having people dressed up as the superhero I'm playing. And for the first two years, I didn't, I didn't get any of that. And it was definitely a, a hard pill to swallow. It's obviously the show has brought me, has exceeded my expectations in so many ways and brought me so many things I never expected. But I definitely, it was something I felt like I, I was kind of missing out on, and it was really sad for me. But as of about two months ago, I got to go to my very first convention, and I, like, on the last day, I started crying. I, like, gave a speech, and I was bawling because it was such a surreal moment to me for, like, I had filmed three seasons of this show, and it was the first time I was get, getting to experience what the typical superhero actor does their very first year. So it was such a such a blessing, so validating and fulfilling. Was it at all overwhelming? I mean, was it because you've got, uh, you know, people like you, you've been waiting to go, and I'm sure people have been waiting to go see you and other people. Is it overwhelming the amount of people that are wanting to just get a, get a, get a piece of Breck? Yeah, I, the, the first one was, it was in the UK, and it was much more intimate than the American conventions I've been to. But after I went, so I'm glad that was kind of like me dipping my toes into to the water because it was, it was like a thousand people at the whole convention, great. Then I went to the Dallas Con, which was like my very first, I, I actually wanna say it's hosted by Comic-Con, but it's called something different. It's like Fan Expo. What was it like to be doing that at home, you know? Oh, yeah. but. At that one, there was between 30 and 40,000 people. Wow. And it was so overwhelming. But it was, I got up, I drove 45 minutes to the convention center. I got 12 free tickets to bring my whole family. I had my whole family there. They sat in the panel, and thankfully, they didn't ask any questions that could have gotten me in trouble. So I'm grateful (laughs) for them on that part. Um, But after that, I called. So there's things called convention agents. Um who get me these conventions. Oh, I've heard about And I that. called my, yeah, I, it was such a new thing to me, a new concept because I, I'd never done it before. I never, I didn't understand the process of it, but 
I called my convention agent after and I was like, I'm addicted. I want to do more. This is, for me, this is what star girl should feel like at all times because it just felt so fulfilling to, to meet people that had watched the show I'd worked so hard on. What's kind of the most common thing you experience when people finally meet you? What are they asking you? What are they, what's the experience like? I'd say mostly it's people just really telling me how much they love the show and how it's, it's is or one of their favorite CW, DC, Arrowverse shows in a long, long time. And like I said, for the first two years, I didn't meet a single person that had watched Star Girl. So in my head, it was just me, my family, my grandma, and my dog who watched it. So to hear like the, the first thing is like, I love the first two seasons. I'm counting down to the third season. Um, I would say that's probably the most common common thing I get told. When does the third season come out? August 31st? August, 31st. yeah, August 31st on CW, 8 p.m. or 8, 7 central, I believe. And then I imagine it'll, it'll drop on HBO Max once the full season airs. Ah, that, that's what we've been watching it on. Um, you say you have a dog. What kind of dog you got? I have a little Yorkie poo. I, I got him right when we wrapped season three because I'm like, I need a few months to, to train him. And it's been going well. Yeah, we have a golden retriever here, so he's a little bit bigger, but uh, but he always travels back to Texas with us, and he has a thing for Whataburger oh. French fries, just throwing it out there. Um, oh, funny. So, like, what, <laughs> now what you've been doing up to now, I mean, it, it is really, you, again, you're part of the DC ecosystem, the universe. Long term, what are you looking at? Like, you, you know, if you could have, in a perfect world, uh, would you like to do another TV series? Would you like a good mix between that and, and film? Or there's, or would you like to really transition into film and what kind of projects would you love to work on? Or even people or directors you'd like to work with? Yeah. Something I've definitely learned through Stargirl is however great the project is, it's more important the people you're working with. Um, I feel like our showrunner, Jeff, has kind of instilled that in me that it's better to work with great people than necessarily like a great project. And that, I mean, you know, like, Obviously, you want to work on something you're excited to be a part of, but just surrounding yourself with people that you love and make it more fun is so important. But and then on the more practical answer, um, this is like unpopular opinion among most actors because I feel like so many actors in this day and age, they're like, I want to do something gritty and dramatic and da 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 da. And I'm like, I love comedy. I think it is so fun. It comes to me more naturally than like the dramatic side of things. So I would love to to do some more comedy, whatever that means. If it's film, TV, whatever. I just think it's very fun. Comedy's a little bit more of a challenge. So how, what was your training like comedy-wise? Are you naturally a little, I mean, are you a little bit of a wise-ass? You said you were sassy when you were younger, so did it come naturally <laughs> for you? For sure. I definitely can be sarcastic and, a, yeah, and sassy, but it... Comedy is so much more technical than people think. There is, there's a science to like comedic beats. So I almost even just like studying great comedic actors and their beats and what makes it funny and their facial expression, facial expressions. I feel like there is more of a, a formula to it. And for some people that's really hard because they don't like the technical side of acting. They're like, I just want to be free and expressive, which is great. But comedy sometimes I feel like you need to be a little bit more technical with it. What actors, you know, if you say these are kind of like my Mount Rushmore of the comedic actors I like to follow and, and the movies I like, um, 
who would those people uh, be for the most part? Yeah. Oh, oh, I don't know. There's so many, so many people I love and respect. Recently, I've really loved Taika Waititi. I'm going to say his last name wrong. But the movie Jojo Rabbit, he directed, wrote it, and also casted himself in it. I mean, to make Hitler funny, I mean, that's that's a stretch. It is a stretch. And just even that whole movie, like it was written. I, I love when comedy also has emotion in it. I think it's a very interesting dynamic. So I, I love him. And then um, he's probably my new my new favorite. I'll, I'll, so I'll go with him. If I think of someone else, I'll say. <laughs> very good. Now, did you ever see, uh, guys, as far as Luke Wilson, Old School? God, that was a funny movie. I mean, anything. About- I haven't. People oh, really? in this past weekend, I was at a con and like, you need to watch Idiocracy because I haven't seen that either. You which haven't is like seen another- it. You know what? That's, uh, I mean, I that's got to be a homework assignment for you. I mean, you've got to see Idiocracy because that's just, that was such a well done uh, uh, social commentary for kind of where we are right now, which is kind of funny. So I noticed you're, uh, we, I was watching last night. Um, it's a very physical thing you're doing on the show. Uh, and I, you know, with your background in, in cheerleading and everything, how much of it are you actually doing? Uh, are you doing a fair amount of the flipping around and stuff? Or is that, are they kind of throwing somebody else in there to kind of on the more technical things? I, I definitely get to do some of it. And as the seasons have gone on, they've let me do more and more as I've just gotten more experience. And a lot of times the two reasons I don't, get to do my own stunts would be a it's just way too unsafe and I could actually get really hurt they're like we are not shutting production down or b we just don't have enough time on set for me to learn the choreography which that one's always a stinker because it's like if we had a little bit more time I'd be able to but that being said I've been so fortunate to get to do quite a bit of it um although my stunt double Christina Basket she was the stunt I always tell people this because it's cool. Uh, she was the stunt double for Arya on Game of Thrones. And she is just kick butt, coolest chick. I, she's the other part of Stargirl. And uh, I never get upset when she she gets to do the stunt because she always makes me look so cool. So either way, I'm happy. Uh, it kind of shift gears a little bit. You uh, did, did some uh, philanthropic work with the Juvenile Diabetes Foundation. Are, are you still doing that? Yeah. So I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was 8, so coming up to 15 years in January, which is crazy. Um, But obviously because of that, it's very near and dear to my heart. So I'm a national ambassador with JDRF. I've I've gone to Children's Congress with them and um, lots lots of fun stuff. A big advocate for that. Well, it's got to be a very cool thing to be able to use what you're doing now to actually kind of help something you're experiencing and, and be able to help other kids. You see so you travel somewhat regularly to do that? Um, I used to, but obviously with when the pandemic, it definitely, my travel work with them slowed down a whole lot, specifically because most diabetics are immune compromised. So it uh, doesn't really make sense for us to be traveling unless it's as safe as possible. Um, but no, I actually, I, I haven't even gone to a JDRF walk in a minute. I used to do the, a few of those every year. Um, but they obviously shut down and I, I think I'm hoping 2023 they're back up and going. It's funny. I was talking with, uh, uh, oh gosh, who was I speaking with the other day? 
I clearly haven't had enough coffee today. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm like over here like yawning and I feel so rude, but it really is just the, it's also the time of day. This is like nap time. Well, I mean, I, I was talking to Shea, Wig, uh, Shea Wiggum I was speaking with the other day and he's like, excuse me, I have to hang on one second. He had to run his front door and get his nose swabbed. And it's just the whole nose swab oh, wow. thing with with working on sets that it's like this movie on Netflix is funny. Uh, the, uh, the bubble. Oh I mean, yeah. That was, it was hilarious because it, it seems to be a big part of your life over the last, if you want to film, <clears throat> you're constantly being tested. Was that just a real pain in the butt or were you just kind of like, whatever, you know? It, it took an adjusting period to get used to it. And first season or the first season back, which was our second season, we started September of 2020 and it, it was really intense. I mean, there was, we had to stay six feet from everyone unless we were filming a scene, which you don't realize, but that's extremely hard when there's 200 crew members. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I've probably been no swabbed north of 250 times at this point. Oh, late. But it definitely just took some some getting used to, but then it just became an everyday practice. Yeah, because I know it's like whenever I go, when I'd go from a trailer to a set, you've got to walk through crowds of PAs and stuff. So they, it's mm -hmm. almost got to be like Moses opening up the Red Sea, people just moving out of the way. Is that, There's yeah. so many logistics, you know. And then we had COVID patrol officers. The, the second season, we probably had about 25 people in these COVID vests walking around our set, like yelling at people if they were too close to each other or if they had their masks down or their mask wasn't covering their nose. Um, but then third season, it was a little bit lighter. And also we were like used to it from second season. So maybe it just felt lighter. Now, real quick, what's the movie uh, you're saying? You're with Sean Astin. What's the name of it? Man in the White Van. Man in the White Van. Do you do all have a release date on that? Uh, I don't think there's a release date. Not that I know of. So yeah, he's, no. Sean, he just seems like just the nicest, uh, nicest of guys. He is. Like. Truly. You know what? Actually, what, what I love to do towards, you know, the end of an interview, uh, just chatting, uh, I got something I call my seven questions I like to throw out just purely for fun. Love it. One of the questions I, I love, and we've kind of touched on this a little bit because I'm a food nerd, but what is your <laughs> favorite comfort food? That thing that maybe you miss or something mm. that you're like, man, you know, I'm just craving it. Probably pizza. I, I got diagnosed with celiac three years ago. So I'm on a sh very strict, annoyingly strict gluten-free diet. Um, but I have found a couple good gluten-free pizzas and it's it's made its way back into my heart because for a while I hated all gluten-free pizzas. Yeah. So it left, but it's back. Yeah, my, my oldest daughter, <laughs> she uh, we thought she may have that. Well, she and I, 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 we have something, I think she got it from me where it's uh, pizza can kind of Without going into gastrointestinal stuff, we'll just say that sometimes it causes <laughs> issues. Um, but I don't know if they make. For some reason, I think they may be doing gluten free. But Campisi's, I don't know if you've ever had Campisi's pizza. Ooh, oh, that's no. the jam. Uh, if, seek it out. I, they if they have one, you want okay. some. Uh, in, okay. in Texas, of course. Uh, but uh, the, now the next question is: Who are three people? If you're to sit down and have a cup of coffee, who are three people? You know, living or not, uh, that you would love to spend a few hours just talking story with. Three people. I will go. They're going to be like three polar opposites. Perfect. Julie Andrews. I grew up just loving her. Still do love her. Um, Taika Watiti, because he just seems like a chap, mm -hmm. chappy lad. Mm -hmm. And then Elon Musk, because he is just an anomaly to me. And I want to be like, what do you eat for breakfast? Yeah. What does Elon Musk eat for breakfast? I don't know. And I want to know. He's kind of like an alien. Just like, okay, you're just 
doing something that's affecting our culture? How how did you get that? Yeah, I, I'm I'm there with you. Yeah. Um, now, <laughs> uh, next question: uh, Celebrity crush. Who was your first celebrity crush when you were young? Oh, my first celebrity crush, probably Zac Efron. High School Musical. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Loved all those. Yeah, yeah he. Every time I look at him, I'm going, "Damn, I gotta get to the gym and work out, man." He's just, he's, you know. <laughs> um, he's in good shape. Yeah. Uh, now the next question <laughs> is: uh, If you're going to be going to an exotic island, uh, somewhere you actually want to be, but there's no internet. Okay, there's no way to stream or anything. Mm. What DVD of a movie and what what uh, album or CD uh, would you bring with you? I'll go. Album or CD? I'm just gonna. I mean, you're gonna be there for a whole year now. Oh, a whole year. Okay, I'm gonna go with the Beatles' top hits because I feel like they there's a mood for everything, but overall it'll just keep me happy and vibey and not stressed. And um, a movie. I'm gonna go with She's the Man with Amanda Bynes and Channing Tatum. <laughs> I believe it came out in 2008. No, I know exactly. It's but funny. it is yeah. just. Yeah. Yeah. If you have daughters, they, they definitely watch that. Um, but I just love that movie. It makes me laugh and I've watched it probably about 50 times and I'm not tired of it. So I think it could it's so funny. I forgot about that year. movie with Channing Tatum. I forgot, you know, he was a younger actor at one point in time. I forgot that. Um, yeah. now if you were to say next question, um, from the time you wake up to the time you put your head down to the bed at night, the definition of a perfect day, like the component parts of what would happen there's certain things you would love to have be a part of that perfect day for you. What would that be? Coffee. Someone brings me coffee to my bed. If we're going to be specific, that just sounds lovely. Hang on, let me just kind of um, let me just kind of swim in that idea of somebody bringing me coffee. Uh, that sounds just like my son was telling me last night that that he heard somebody at his high school, his teacher was giving extra favors to kids who would bring coffee to them. It's like, if I was a school teacher and a kid showed up with like a hot cup of coffee, I'd be like, yeah, you're going to get a little better grade from me. <laughs> you know? Oh, 1000%. I would, I would totally let them bribe me for better grades. Absolutely. Um, so we're starting off with a cup of coffee. Cup of coffee. I'm going to say I'm in LA and it's going to be perfect weather. It's going to be like 75 degrees and sunny. I'm, I like it warmer. Um, and I'm going to go hiking with my dog because I, I just love being outdoor. That's my morning. I would love to have an audition, a live audition. That just sounds so wonderful. I haven't had a live audition in two and a half years, two years, however long. Um, and it goes swimmingly. I, I crush it. I kill it. And then after that, I like go get a celebratory slice of pizza because why not? You know, there's a place, I don't know if it's and still in Santa Monica, but there was this guy who, uh, when I lived out there, who is from, I don't know if he's from Brooklyn or not, but he had some like chemist come in and look at the water composition and got it to whatever be like the water in Brooklyn because they say the pizza is better in New York because the water. Basically, the pizza is like New York pizza, so I don't know what it's called. That sounds extremely extra. Like, they really just did the most for probably not what the actual difference <laughs> yeah. So, how would you like to wrap your day? Would the, you know, the, 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 towards the end of the day, how would it be? A game night with a group of friends. I love board games. They, I think it's so fun because no one's on their phone. You're just interacting with people. I, I tend to go towards more for like social interaction games like Mafia or Resistance, if you're familiar with either of those. No, I'm not, um, actually. And then no. it, yeah. Now you've given me a homework assignment. Now, the last question I got for you, if you're going to jump into a DeLorean, 
you know, Back to the Future reference, of course. But um, right. and you're going to cruise back to when you were 16 years old, or even maybe a little mm. earlier. And you got a piece of advice to give yourself, either to make at that moment in your life a little bit better, or maybe put you on a different path to kind of like really, you know, just. In other words, a piece of advice that would really yeah. kind of alter things in a cool direction for you. What would that piece of advice be? Um, I would say, <laughs> if I'm going to be silly, by all means, this is something I'd want to tell my younger self: is invest in real estate as soon as you can, and it doesn't have to be in California. Indeed, <laughs> Man, you know, I used to work on the radio in Dallas. It's so funny. I remember people used to uh, call from uh, Roanoke. You know, calling the request line. And I always sound like the middle of nowhere to me, you know, because I'm a North Dallas kid. And I was out there to go see my cousin, your orthodontist. And um, I was driving through. I was like, holy cow, what happened out here? I mean, Texas is just exploding in terms of development and yeah. people in traditionally rural towns. Now, like you got Dallas Cowboys building big houses out there. It was just crazy. So, yes, real estate. Smart idea. Very smart idea. But that's wonderful. Man, uh, Brick, I really do appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun. And I, I can't wait to talk to my cousin and say, hey, you worked with one of the people I, uh, I spoke with today. I, that is so funny. No, my whole family has gone to him. He he gave my other brother braces. He uh, replaced my other brother's tooth. Like really, that is so funny. No kidding. He should. He actually might know know my name if you if you. Yeah, he he's he is one of those guys that remembers everybody and everything. Actually, you know, my my daughter was wanting to know if she could just wave to you and say hi. We were just watching you last night. Would that be okay? Oh, of course. Hey, baby. Of course. Yeah, you can come say hi. We're just, hey, guess who her orthodontist is? Godsick. Oh, no. Your, your, your cousin? Yeah, Jeremy. That's Zachary. Whoa. Sorry, sorry. My brother just walked in and he knocked over my computer. We're fine. No coffee was spilt. Hey, guys. Hi. What are y'all's names? Um, I'm Lily. I'm Zach. Lily. Zach. So would that mean my orthodontist is their uncle? It's a uh, cousin. Oh, so if it's your cousin, that would be their... Second cousin. Second cousin? That always confuses me. I can never, like, put that together. Yeah, I just say cousin and just leave it at that. Yeah, because it gets confusing. She's in Texas, by the way. And she likes water. I, I, honey butter chicken biscuit? Have you had one? No, no. Next time you make your way to Texas, go to Whataburger and have a honey butter chicken biscuit. That sounds good. Yum. I want to thank you again. I really appreciate it. It was nice to meet you guys, and thank you, Mark. It was good chatting with you. Well, there you go, Breck Bassinger. Enjoy the chat. Don't forget, CW Network, Stargirl is out now. The new season just started, so check it out. Check out Breck. And don't forget, she's still got some movies coming out. The Man in the White Van with Sean Astin, uh, as well as Saturday at the Starlight with Abigail Breslin and Denise Richards. Those films are coming out a little later this year. All right, so there you go. Uh, make sure, if you would, Story and Craft pod.com stop by sign up for the newsletter and no matter what podcast app you're listening to uh, just make sure to like and follow the show that way you get notifications every time a new episode comes out and of course give a review if you would the more stars the better all right <laughs> so appreciate it i appreciate you very much and thank you for coming by uh, every week enjoyed my time with breck this week next week another great episode and i uh, would love to have you back by all right, so you have yourself a great, a safe, and a, just a killer week. All right, I'll see you next time, right here on Story and Craft. That's it for this episode of Story and Craft. 
Join Mark next week for more conversation right here on Story and Craft. Story and Craft is a presentation of Mark Preston Productions, LLC. Executive producer is Mark Preston. Associate producer is Zachary Holden. Please rate and review Story and Craft on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. You can subscribe to show updates and stay in the know. Just head to storyandcraftpod.com and sign up for the newsletter. I'm Emma Dillon. See you next time. And remember, keep telling your story.